Philemon chapter number 1. If you're on for chapter number 2, you'll be looking a long time. Page 1286, if you have a Schofield Bible. All right, page 1286, if you have a Schofield Bible. Of course, those of you who didn't get there's just one chapter in Philemon, all right. Then won't you be looking all night for chapter 2. Praise God, amen. We began a couple of weeks ago, of course, last Sunday, we had a missionary with us. And, but a week before that, we started on this thought of forgiveness. And uh, first Sunday, we talked about the character of forgiveness. And I'm not going to preach a message again, but for the first seven verses, the Apostle Paul talks to Philemon... And he does not address to Philemon to forgive. He doesn't talk to Philemon about doing any of that. He talks to Philemon about his character. Takes the first thing, the first thing that he does. He addresses the character of forgiveness. He talks about how that he's got all the confidence in the world in Philemon. He'll do right. He's got all the confidence in the world that Philemon's got the character that he needs to have to deal with this matter in the right way. And uh, what a blessing that was. We, we looked and said that, that the character of forgiveness is labors, it loves, amen, it's long-suffering, and not only that, but it leaves us refreshed. We have this great joy and consolation in love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by the brother. He's not even addressed the fact that Philemon here, he's not, not even discussed it one bit. But tonight we come not to the character of forgiveness, but to the action. Because somewhere, forgiveness comes down to an action. Let me stop right here. Time out. Forgiveness is never about the action of someone else. It is about your actions. If you are waiting for someone else to promote the action of forgiveness. You'll get caught in a trap that you'll live in for the rest of your life. The Bible says that if I have ought with my brother, or if I think my brother has an ought with me when I come to pray to leave my gift and go to get it right, then come back and I pray. But tonight as we talk about this Action of forgiveness. We'll begin reading verse number 8. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I'd rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again that thou mayest 
that therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I have retained with, I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldst receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me, therefore, a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. Let's go to the throne of grace. Brother Barry Goodman, how about you preaching? Uh, preaching. Go ahead and preach. Praying. Amen. Amen. You're never more, you're never more like Christ than when we forgive. And we're never more unlike Christ when we don't forgive. We've seen in the first, there's three principles to forgiveness. They never, they never change. Forgive those who sin against you. Second, forgive and be forgiven. Number three, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Those seem hard and they seem cold. But the reality is, they're not. But they are very straightforward. Philemon chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, Wherefore though I might be bold in Christ to enjoin thee. Here's what he's just saying. That word enjoin means to command. He, he was literally saying this. And by the way, under this Roman Empire, a master, a master had the right to kill a disobedient slave. Philemon, legally speaking, he could have killed Onesimus and nobody would have ever said anything whatsoever. However, Paul says this. Paul says, I could come to you and command that you forgive him. As a matter of fact, you're going to find that uh, Onesimus' actions was uh, literally when he ran and he stole, he signed a death warrant. But something happened when Onesimus run. That was he run into the Apostle Paul. Amen. And the Apostle Paul began to preach to him and tell him about Jesus. And Onesimus got saved by the grace of God. And all of a sudden now the status of Onesimus has changed. Paul comes along and says this. He says, I could command you to do this. But he said, I don't want to do that. He said, it's not my heart to do that. He said, what I would rather, yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee. Here's what Paul's, uh, here's the way Paul's doing this. Paul said, you know, I have the authority. I, I'm the 
uh, perhaps uh, your spiritual leader, Philemon, I could say, now, Philemon, I command you to forgive Onesimus. But he said, I don't want to do that. He said, what I do want to do, though, he said, I want to beg you. I'm going to plead with you. I'm going to plead with you, Onesimus, just for love's sake, that you would forgive him. Here's why he can say this. Paul's an old man. Paul said, I've lived a long time. He said, I'm Paul the aged. I'm not a young man. I'm not a novice. I'm not new at this thing. He said, I understand all what you're talking. He said, I understand what it means to forgive. He said, I know what it means not to forgive. Paul comes along and he says, can I just tell you what an old man has to say tonight? Here's what he's saying. He said, just, he said, I beseech you. I plead with you. I beg with you. He said, I want you to forgive Onesimus. Not for Onesimus' sake, but Philemon, for your sake. As a wide old man, I beseech some of you. Why don't you forgive that, your Onesimus? I plead with you for love's sake. Why don't you forgive that Onesimus? Not for their sake, for your sake. Because you're never going to have your joy. You're never going to have, you're never going to have the thrill of serving God. You're never going to have, you're never going to have nothing in your life that's worthwhile as long as you're harboring and holding on to that one forgiveness. He'll never, he'll, he'll rob, he'll rob everything from you. So I beg you to, won't you forgive that Onesimus that you have? Paul comes along and I love this. He said, he said now, he said, Philemon, I want you to make the final decision. He said, I, I don't want something here. He said, I want it to be something God puts in your heart. Paul comes on and, and he takes that high ground. I said he took, Paul said, he takes that high ground. Just a few days ago, not long ago at all. A dear man, a good a great man in my sight. Great in my sight. Now, let me be honest with you. He was, the note he got was, was wrong and wicked and cruel. And his first thing was, do what we all would want to do. Well, bust him if I get have a chance. Don't look at me so saintly. I've been there. You have too. I told him, I said, you know something? I said, why don't we take the high ground? Why don't we just take the high ground? See, anybody can hold on to unforgiveness. Anybody can hold on to that anger. Anybody can hold But why don't you just take the high ground? Why don't you take the high ground? Regardless of what they do, why don't you take the high ground and say, you know, Jesus saved me and I'm just not going to Walk that path with you. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive you. And I'm just going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe God to do something for you that nobody else in this world can possibly do. Give you life for six, for seven years each or something like that. You know, I'm going to pray for you. Pray God help you. Take that high ground. Paul said, I'm going to take that high ground. Because don't, don't miss this. And I understand this tonight.
I understand this tonight. Forgiveness cannot be forced. Okay, okay. I'm going to forgive. No, no. Just no, no, no. You ain't forgive nothing. Forgiveness can't be forced. Paul knew that. Paul reminded Philemon of his status. He said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Don't forget this. He was a prisoner in Rome, but Rome didn't have him because Rome wouldn't forgive. He said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because Jesus had forgiven him. Here's the action of forgiveness though. First of all, there had to be a reception. Notice, verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I sin again, Thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels. Here's what he's simply saying. He said, I want you to see, receive Onesimus just like if I walked in your midst. I want you to receive him like you would receive me, whom I would retain with me. He said, I'd love to keep him here. That in my stead, him, that in thy stead, in your place, he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of my gospel. He said, I'm in jail. He said, I'd love to keep Onesimus here. I would love to. God saved him. He is profitable to me. Behold it. He said, I, I couldn't do that. But without thy mind, unless you approved it, would I do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were necessity but willingly. He said, I'm not going to keep him here just because I can. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to send him back because I want him to be here willingly. I want your approval on it. I want you to approve him being here. What I want you to do is receive him. Right now, every, I, I want you. Here, here's the mark of a good Christian, Okay? You take your worst, your worst, your worst enemy that has hurt you more than anyone else. If they walked up right now, how would you receive them? They better not walk in here. Then you're not right with God. You missed it. You missed it. Because the first action of forgiveness... If reception. The word Onesimus means useful. Very common name for slaves. And many were nameless when they got them. So they would call them Onesimus, useful. Hey, and, and Paul used a play on words here of what he's saying. He said, Onesimus wasn't useful to you. He was useless to you for a while. But when he got saved, God changed his, made him what his name says. God made him what his name was. God made him useful. He's living up to his name now, Philemon. Philemon, he was useless. He stole from you. He ran away. But now, he's useful for you. Onesimus has become known for his faithfulness. He says, I want you to receive him. 
He means to take a person back. Paul was asking Philemon to do more than just put up with Onesimus. He's asking us, forgiveness, listen, look his way. Forgiveness is not merely a feeling. It is a disposition of the whole person, a habit of the heart, an intentional choice of action in relationship. Paul said, Philemon, let's close this gap. Let's heal the wound through forgiveness. Would you listen to me? I read story after story after story of some old saint leaving this world and a child come running to the casket weeping and crying because there was unforgiveness. I want you to listen to me. You, the Bible says our life like a vapor. Are you listening? It's here for just a moment and then it vasheth away. I mean, it's, it's, it's fast. And it seems like it gets faster by the day. It's fast. And one day we're going to face God and this world's going to be over. And could you imagine God one day saying, listen, you know, I, I want to do so much more for you. I want to do this. I want to do that. But you held on to that old forgi- unforgiveness. You wouldn't forgive. You wouldn't receive that person. You wouldn't forgive. You say, you don't understand what they've done. Can I ask you again? Did they beat you with a whip, 39 stripes? Did they nail you to a cross? They put a crown thorn on your head. That's what they done to Jesus for your sins. And on the cross he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And don't, don't miss this. When he forgave, he was saying, I'll receive every one of you. Whosoever will, let him come. Forgave everyone. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.18, and, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, given us to ministry of reconciliation. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a door to peace and happiness. It's a small, narrow door and cannot be entered without stooping. Why receive Onesimus back? What had Onesimus done? Number one, he'd repented. That'd been forgiveness. He's seeking forgiveness from his master. He's transformed. He's no longer a slave. He's a brother in Christ. Acts 15, 37 through 39, Paul knew the difference. He and Barnabas went their separate ways over a young man by the name of John Mark. And it was later on. And I mean, the Bible says that it was no small decision. Paul and Barnabas, I mean, his great men, they separated over John Mark. Barnabas said, I'm going to take him. Paul said, no, you're not taking that quitter with us. He said, you tell him to go climb under Mama's skirt. He ain't coming with us. Barnabas said, yes, he is. Paul said, no, he's not. And they went their separate ways. But don't miss this. In the book of Timothy, Paul said, bring John Mark. Because he's profitable for me in the ministry. Paul had forgiven and reconciled that thing. Don't miss this. But God commended his love toward us. 
and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. First action of forgiveness is reception. Second action of forgiveness is restoration. Restoration. Philemon 1.15, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. Especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Not only was there a reception, but there's a restoration. Paul, Philemon, Paul said, I want you to restore him. But not as a slave, not as a servant, but as a brother in Christ. Can I help you? Look at If we can't love one another here, what are you going to do? And this is a big if. You get to heaven for eternity. Well, I'm going to tell God to stick them on one end of heaven, I'll be on another. It ain't going to be that way. I think God's going to put you side by side and make you love one another the rest of your life. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? There ought to be a restoration. To restore means to put back in service. It calls for trust. Paul said Onesimus can be trusted. Paul said, I want you to receive him as, he, as you would me. I want you to look this way. I, I, I tell you, the saddest day, I want you to listen, saddest day, some of the greatest Christians are going to shed tears like a river. Because you've thrown people away over materialistic stuff. And God's going to judge you for that mess. Are you listening? I know it's quiet. It's okay. It's all right. We throw family members, we throw people away over materialistic stuff. And you better hear this. You're not going to take it with you. And I hate to tell you this, they're not going to take it with them either. Amen? That's the reason why I love what God's doing around here. Man, when, when God takes us out of here, there's a few things I want the devil to have. Number one, I want him to have an empty bank account. Amen? I want him to have one out carpet. I want him to have the one out bus. I want him to have one out people. Amen. Working about his ministry. I want him to have, I want him to have, I, I want him to look around and say, my God, they used up every ounce I built and they used up everything. And God said, hallelujah, it's used for the glory of God. Instead, we're hoarding it up. This is what's amazing. We're hoarding it up. And when you kick the bucket, your young is going to run through it like, a, like you wouldn't believe. And they could care less about God. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. We ought to use all we can. No, stay forgive us. Let me get back on track. That's extra. You'll find Paul said, I want you to receive him like you wouldn't me. Paul said, now, he said, uh, 
It says it's going to be difficult. He said, it's going to take character. And he said, he said, it's going to be hard. Can you imagine how hard it is sometimes for God to trust us again? To take us back over again? And to forgive us over again? And over and over? Isn't it amazing? Onesimus, God has saved him. The Bible says that, that God put, put him right in, the, right in the lap of the Apostle Paul. And I want you to know, God said, He said, I want you to take him back. I want you to restore him. Divine grace is exceedingly precious, offered us at the price of God's own incarnate life. David and Absalom are a perfect example of this. Absalom killed his brother Amnon because Amnon raped his sister. To Amnon, Tamar was his half-sister and he raped her. Tamar never married. Tamar lived in the house of Absalom for the rest of her life. She never bore no children. For the rest of her life she lived in that state. Absalom never said a word. Two years later, he throws a party with the instructions that you don't, don't kill nobody but Amnon. When I give you the mark, I want you to kill Amnon. And he did. And he flees. One day, Absalom wants to come back home. So he tried to rob to, to make the... Up and Joab wouldn't pay no attention, so he burned his fields. Joab said, Why do you do this? He said, I've been trying to get your attention. You wouldn't listen. So he burned his fields, burned his barley fields. Sometimes God burns our barley fields to get our attention. That's, extra, that's another message. And so David said, Okay, you bring him back. But for two years, David never saw his face. His own son is there, but he doesn't see his face for two years. David and Absalom is a perfect illustration of unforgiveness. And you know what Absalom done? He stood right down at the gate, stole the heart of the people, and stole his daddy's kingdom to the day come that Absalom died. You know why David wept so? Tell you why David wept so? Because that thing never was right. And Absalom met eternity, and David met eternity, and it never was made right. He cried, Absalom, because you loved him, but refused to restore. How are we doing in these broken relationships? Whether at home, work, or play? Are we forgiving and healing and unforgiving? Or are we only tolerating them? Philemon, he said, I want you to accept Onesimus back. He said, I want you to do with the understanding, with a new status. Not as a slave, not as a thief, but a brother in Christ. First action of forgiveness is reception. Second is restoration. And the third action of forgiveness is restitution. Philemon 1.18 
If that he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Onesimus had taken what wasn't, wasn't his. He'd, he'd stolen. Onesimus had forced Philemon to replace the labor. And Philemon had a right, had a right, and was just in saying, I want restitution. He was just in doing so. I mean, there's nothing illegal or wrong about it. But don't, don't miss this. There's some restitution that's essential to forgiveness. But can I say this? When restitution can be what Paul did here, Paul understood Onesimus needs to make restitution. So he sends him back. But he also knows this. He knows Onesimus can't pay that back. So what Paul says is, put that on my bill. Put that on my account. Just charge that over to me. My, what a, what a Christian. Paul knew Onesimus owed Philemon. And he also knew he didn't have a way to repay it. You know, there's some things that you can't make restitution for. But then I love this. Paul said to Philemon, why don't you just graciously and totally forgive Onesimus and wipe the debt clean, heal the wound, and bridge the gap? Remember, you're never more like God than when we forgive. John MacArthur said it this way, we're never more like Christ than when we carry the debts. So forgiveness can take place. When we forgive the debts, so forgiveness can take place. Forgiveness is literally saying, won't you just wipe the debt clean? I've come to a conclusion about something. I think after many years and and who what somebody mentioned me the other day, man, your hair's really white lately. I know. Look at what she's done to me. I know this. I know this. I know people that held on to unforgiveness. 10, 20, some 30, some so many years, you can't even remember what the wrong was. I wonder tonight if this could be a brand new start for you and a brand new day. I wonder if tonight in this church service, you could say, I'm just going to wipe the slate clean. And I'm not going to I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm not going to remember that no more. I'm tired of living that. I'm tired of living it. I'm tired of being there. I've, I've, and you say, preacher, if you, if you practice this more times than you could imagine, I bet you it would be a hard 
pressed to say I've, I've lost a fortune doing that. People owe me, and I just say, listen, the slate's clean. You owe me nothing. You know why? I just don't want that mess. I don't want that. Because forgiveness in action takes all three forgiveness to work. Otherwise, it's just putting up with or tolerating the one who hurts you. And unforgiveness is our greatest thief. Not to forgive, don't miss this, not to forgive imprisons us in the past. It keeps the pain alive, the sore open, and stirs up anger. To not forgive produces bitterness. It occupies our thinking, shapes our personality, and defiles us. To not forgive opens the door for Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And to not forgive hinders fellowship with God, which also hinders fellowship with man. My fellowship can never be what it needs to be this way if it is not this way. Because when I go to God, if there's someone that I just, I'm not going to forgive, God reminds me, listen, I forgave you. And I want you to forgive them. Paul said to this, Paul said, I don't want you to go there. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Forgiveness, forgiveness is sacred ground. Sacred ground. A few services ago, I watched a man in our church do something in this line that literally towards forgiveness that literally probably saved his life and the life of his family. It may have been one of the greatest acts he's ever done in his life. I'm not sure he knows he's done it, but he did. Because I'm going to tell you something. Unforgiveness will rob you It'll steal from you. It's the great thief. It'll make you bitter at someone without a cause. You won't even know why you dislike them. And the truth of the matter is, it don't hurt them. The people we won't forgive, they don't, they're not hurt. We hurt ourselves. And I'm going to tell you something. Now tonight, I, I don't want you just to forgive. I want you to come and wipe the slate clean. Now, God may ask you to go home and call him up and say, listen, I just want you to know I just forgive you. I, I'm not living in that no more. I'm not going to live in that world no more. I'm just not. It'll be the greatest decision. Not for their sake. You got to get this, got to get this. Not for their sake. Well, what if they don't forgive me? That's between them and God, isn't it? I'm about you and God. 
I'm talking about you and God. Here tonight, I saw standing feet, every head 